Welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes podcast. Asbury Park Vibes is dedicated to sharing information about the live music scene in the Asbury Park area, as well as the bands who've traveled through. We thank you for tuning in, downloading, or just stumbling upon our podcast. What what town is here? Where do you live right now? Uh, I'm living in Morristown, New Jersey, right right near Cherry Hill. Oh, that's like by Philadelphia. It is right by Philadelphia. Which You're I far love. away, but you like you're a Philly person, apparently. I mean, like I'm kind of like a a bouncing around kind of person. Yeah, like, I'll I'll appear in Asbury Park, but I'm not from Asbury. I go to Philly. <laughs> I'm not from Philly. I used to live in North Jersey, so I'll play up there all the time. And what part of North Jersey? Uh, a little town called Jefferson Township. Oh, I know. That's out by Dover. It is right by Dover. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, that's far away, too. You like living far away from things. I mean, I don't know if I like or dislike it, but it just has been where I've landed. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you wonder how this happened? Do you picture where I sleep? Can you feel it all unwinding? Secrets that I can barely keep. Can you feel me all withdrawing? There is poison in my blood. And by proximity, you surely will be injured by my cut. The only thing I ever felt for you is all my love. My love, we are. Welcome, everybody. This is Doug from Asbury Park Vibes, my little slice of heaven called Seen and Heard. Seen and Heard. And today we're very lucky to be with the fine, talented, and amazing uh, Katie Miller, known as uh, Kate Dressed Up. So, Kate, how are you on this fine COVID day? I'm doing well, all things considered. Thank you. Excellent. So, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, I've been looking forward to uh, chatting with you. I think I tried to set this up a long time ago, and then then I got sidetracked. So, so you know, just to jump right into it, uh, I see you online. I've seen you live. Sometimes you're a solo artist. Sometimes you're a solo artist with an 
incredibly expensive looping pedal and then i've seen you with other musicians and now it seems like you have a whole band so so kate dressed up who the hell are you and what are you doing <laughs> i'm still trying to figure that out myself honestly um so kate dressed up i conceptualized uh late 2015 after a previous musical project had uh you know disintegrated gone on hiatus whatever you want to call it and um in the rock bottom of my depression over that, I kind of realized that the next thing I wanted to be just mine, just solely mine, whether it was just me or a lot of musicians with me, I wanted it to be something that didn't rely on other people to continue. So the goal was always for it to end up being a band but at the same time to frame it where if a lineup of musicians was unavailable or if they moved away or, you know, all the things that can happen to bands happen to me, it wouldn't stop K Dressed Up from continuing. So you don't mind even when you're a solo act going out as Kate Dressed Up? No. It, that's, that's like the concept of what you're working on. Yeah, K Dressed Up is very much the name of the project. So tell us, what is sort of the the gestalt of Kate Dressed Up? What is it that you're looking to do that makes you comfortable in using that name for the different projects? Well, I always just want to be pushing myself musically. And um, at first... As you've mentioned, I use a looper a lot. I still use it sometimes. Um, but when it was just me, that, that meant looping and seeing, you know, where I could go with that. And then, you know, as more people came on, it became, how are we, how am I, how am I going to rearrange these songs? And how are we as a group going to rearrange these songs and still fit the vision and still manifest the art in the way that I view it in my head? And I've been really blessed to have musicians around me almost all the way through all the different musicians I played with over the years have been really willing to follow that vision that I've had and, and make it happen. And, and I just hope to continue doing that. And so when you have an idea for a song, do you hear it first as just you on the acoustic or just you on the electric? And then you have to choose to make that into a solo or a band song, or do you take that to the band? I would say I almost never intend for a song to be only me and my guitar. Um, sometimes, obviously, if I write a song where that fits the feel of the song and that's the vision for it, then sure. But um I mean, even if you go back to the Kate Dress Up EP that was released back in 2016, um, I did not have a band then at all. And all those songs on that EP, um, they they're full band arrangements and I played all of the instruments and, and that was my vision pretty much out the gate. So. so I guess when you play all the instruments, you can't argue with yourself if you don't like the part that's being played. <laughs> I can't argue, but that doesn't mean I always like the part. So <laughs> it's a back and forth, regardless. So the, the band that you're, or that, you know, if the world was a little bit of a place, the band that you would be playing and touring with, what, what does that band consist of? What do you have by way of instruments? These days, um, I have Ryan Hillsinger on drums. He's the owner and producer at AGL Sounds. 
I have my friend Nick Iacobelli on the bass. I have uh, my soul twin brother, Vin Caritas, on the guitar. And we'll switch back and forth between acoustic and electric, depending on the song. Mm -hmm. um, and then he sings with me. And then I obviously play the guitar and sing. And the fifth member is my best friend, Elise, who adds her voice. So it's the three of us singing. And I have aims to add another voice in there and see, see what we can do with it. So would you say, for the most part, is there always one person playing the acoustic guitar that brings it back to that initial idea of what you were doing? Yeah, you know, it. When I actually, when I first got other musicians to play with me and then have a, a band in, in the conventional sense, we actually did have two electric guitars on stage. And it became pretty evident to me pretty quickly. Um, and it was also just something that I felt even outside of like the sonic palette that my Martin guitar and me belong together mm -hmm. regar regardless of the other instruments happening on stage. Like that is very central to my sound as a musician and my vision as an artist. So it's, uh, there's always that initial sort of voice in there. Yeah. And I, I think in many ways in listening to your music, that acoustic part is always like the most gentle part or the most like the most easily hurt part it's it's very sensitive and it's very fragile uh and it's interesting the way that the instrumentation move in you're the the gentleman that you sing with who plays the other guitar i've already forgotten his name and i'm sorry about that but it's all good his name is vin uh but you and vin is he the one that you do um you did a paul simon cover online at some point Yes. It's almost like uh, whatever gods were in control of the universe, they decided that your voices fit so well together. It doesn't even seem like you're working hard at that. Well, it's funny because we have been best friends. Like Vin, Vin and I met and we never left each other's lives from as soon as we met. Um, we met in a different band. We were both in high school together. And like obviously any high school band that went away after like what, a couple months or something. Sure. But uh, Vin and I connected immediately on a musical level. And he's actually a huge, huge influence on me as far as where I get my musical sensibilities from um, and how I write songs and how I think about music. And the band that I referred to earlier that went on hiatus right before K Dress Up came to be was actually his and my project together mm -hmm. and and at the time you know he was living north jersey i had moved to south jersey and in just like a logistical and physical sense it it wasn't going to work out um but i mean we have spent countless countless hours actually working extremely hard mm -hmm. on on singing together and playing together and but isn't that when when a spectator sees a performance of two people singing together very easily, they really need to know that that comes because you've worked hours and hours together. I don't think people ever really realize that. Oh yeah. And, and now in the age of digital music, are you in a position where you can make some recording tracks at your house and send the stems over to someone else and they make something and send it back? Yeah. It's not something that I've, done a whole lot yet um vin and i actually exchanged some scratch tracks back and forth back in the spring and had a lot of fun with them um but right now focus uh 
recording is not necessarily my primary focus at this moment. Um, I really would love to start writing some new music soon. And other than that, um, my, my band right now, this group of five musicians that I'm so blessed to have, um, basically they have expressed, uh, a, a desire to continue to play together, whether or not we have shows in the pipeline. So I'm just kind of really excited about doing some musical exploration with them in the future. Um, Are you guys able to get together in a sort of a mid, a post-election, pre-apocalyptic COVID attack here in New Jersey? Yeah, uh, well, for Girlzilla, which was literally our only show of the year that happened this past Saturday, um, we did manage to squeak in three practices ahead of it. That must have felt great, though. Oh, you know, I, I keep saying to everyone and I really can't say it enough. Being a musician, if you love it, it's like being addicted to a drug because so much of it is so not life ruining, but like there's no money in it. It takes up all your time. It can strain your relationships with your family and your friends. And well, it's like, it, it's like an albatross. It's like a weight around your neck that when you don't do it, you don't feel like yourself, but doing it is a huge pain in the ass. Right. And then when you do it and you get that crumb and you get that, that moment, whether it's just at a practice with your band or whether you do, whether you do get the the fortune of getting to play for other people, whatever it is, that crumb just keeps you going and keeps you yearning for that next crumb. You know what I mean? So, Well, I definitely want to come back to both the Girlzilla performance and also the fact that a lot of, I, I don't know if it's in your music explicitly, but sort of the aura around you is a very progressive, very uh, forward thinking, very positive uh, safe space for LGBTQ plus people. So I, I want to loop back to that in a moment, but I'm sort of curious, you know, music sounds like it's in your DNA from inception. How old were you when you knew that there was something about what was coming out of the speakers and hitting your ears as, as a little person, you know, how old were you when you, when you knew this was something different than the other things going on? From the very first memories of my life. It's, it's never, I mean, music as a, as a career or as a life path or as a vocation, that didn't become fully clear until later on, until I had kind of like shed the things that were put on to me throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like a spiritual sense, music has been my touchstone from, I mean, as young as I can literally remember. And my parents tell a story about how when I was in nursery school, they went to their first parent-teacher conference and the teachers were like, oh, you know, Kate's a great kid, great student, whatever. She just sings all the time, (laughs) you know, and that's... That's when your parents realized you were never going to make a good living. (laughs) Hey, man, they're my biggest fans, so they're still still hoping and I appreciate them very much. So when you close your eyes and think about you as like a seven-year-old, 
what song is playing in your head when you think about Sunday morning and your parents are up and they're making pancakes and biscuits. There's obviously music playing. What's no doubt. What's Um, in that, in that flashback. In that flashback, number one and still number one to this day is Celine Dion. Celine Dion is playing. Um, I grew up on a lot of Chuck Berry. I grew up on um, the Beach Boys. Um, I grew up, my, my mom really loves Tina Turner. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, those are some of the main things that stand out. My dad's a huge Dylan fan. I mean, I've been listening to me and Julio down by the schoolyard since I can remember. <laughs> Stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So, so then, you know, you get into middle school and high school and I'd imagine there's a lot of different places where you get pulled. Do you want to join Girl Scouts? Do you want to be on the basketball team? But I want to take lessons. And and being sort of a singer-songwriter in middle school and high school may not be the most popular thing to do, although we all had our little click. How did you navigate those years in trying to figure out who you were thinking about becoming? Oh, well, so... It was kind of weird because I, I I showed like um, a moderate to high level of athletic talent somewhat early on. And so that was kind of the the track that I got put on. Not got put on. I enjoyed it. You know, I always had a choice in it. What, what was your sport? Basketball. Okay. Basketball for sure. And I was a, I was a goalie on, on all my soccer teams. Um, and that was – really what took up most of my time through my teen years. I mean, I did, I did the extra clubs, the off season clubs. Uh, my mom drove me all over the Northeastern U S to play in basketball tournaments. Um, it was a lot of that. I, I took piano lessons until I was about 13 and kind of, it didn't, it wasn't doing it for me. I didn't want to practice classical pieces. I didn't want to sure. practice at all. Um, so I gave that up. Um, and I always, I was sang in choirs in school. Did you do the school play? I actually didn't. How, you know, did, how did you miss the school musical? Well, that's the thing. I was playing sports so much. Oh. I was playing, and I, and in, in my head at the time, I perceived myself as an athlete more than I did as a musician. So that's where I invest all my time. So I actually, I never did the school plays. I never did the magical. I never did like the state choirs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. My, my musical kind of like um, the way I participated in organized music through those years was mostly through choir class in school, mm-hmm. which I was lucky to have an incredible choir teacher in high school. And I did the, the, uh, the select choir, which was like one auditioned group sure. that met sure. once a week. So I did that. Um, it was always my favorite stuff. Mm-hmm. You just didn't realize it quite overtly. Correct. So when you got to college and experienced your first coffee house experience with musicians, when did you start to transition away from being, you know, a, 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 a like a track and field star basketball, maybe I'll get a scholarship to, I just want to get my studies done and get back to my acoustic. Um, I actually realized that about a little more than halfway through high school. So as I was approaching the end of high school, um, basketball just was not fun for me anymore. It's very um, competitive on that level. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of pressure 
was put on me by the program and also by myself. I put pressure on myself. Um, never from my parents. They were always supportive of everything, but just there was a lot expected of me in that role as like the basketball team captain and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just wasn't fun and I didn't like it. And by then I was starting to get a little bit rebellious starting. I wasn't acting on these things, but I was starting to get a notion of myself as wanting to kind of push other boundaries and, ex- and have time to explore myself and, and, and manifest my art and my feelings. And so Toward the end of high school, I actually got a summer gig playing my guitar and singing in a little Italian restaurant in town. Okay. And that was kind of my first... Was was that that the cover songs, or were you allowed to do some originals? Um, I I could play originals, but I had a list of all the songs, the Beatles songs, the Coldplay songs, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, whatever. And that was a blast. And so by the time high school got all wrapped up, I had a pretty good idea that all I wanted to do in college was music. Mm-hmm. And, and I told my parents that I told my mom that I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to spend my time on. I still didn't really see it as a, like a career path, mm-hmm. but I knew that I was serious enough about it just as like a, a passion that that's what I wanted to be doing. And w- were you able to move into college and have that be part of what you were doing? Yeah, I mean, I studied history and political science, so it wasn't, I didn't go into a music program or anything like that. Sure. But um, I joined a competitive acapella group my freshman year. Okay. Uh, by my senior year, I was the music director of it, which, okay. was, which was really cool. And then through that time, I mean, if I wasn't writing a paper or hanging out with my friends, I was playing my guitar. Sure. So when you were in the restaurant uh, in that high school, what was the one cover song you had to play that made your skin want to like boil off the bone because you were just so tired of playing it? You know, I really don't like playing Beatles songs. <laughs> and why, I'm sure you appreciate the Beatles for the harmony of the music, but what is it about Beatles songs? My dog is saying hello, by the way. Hey, dog. What is it about the Beatles songs that you don't enjoy playing, other than they've sort of been played out by everyone who's ever sung a song? I think that fact alone has a lot to do with it. And the fact that it's always like some dude in their 50s or 60s like oh play a beatles tune or whatever and yeah and they think they're very alternative by asking for the b-side of something (laughs) yeah and like as a whole like uh for all the music that i did grow up with the beatles was not a huge part of that sure so i don't have this kind of like i don't idealize the Beatles as a band, obviously as any musician looks at them and says, Holy crap, they changed everything. Sure. And I know that. Uh, I just, but would you say that like from your parents' perspective was pet sounds more important to them than Sergeant Pepper? Yeah. And that's really more my dad than my mom. Like my mom is a music appreciator, but she's not a musician. So um, she's not necessarily the hugest that's not a word. The biggest. It's, it's a word for us today. <laughs> uh, she's not necessarily the biggest Beach Boys fan, but my dad, I mean, and it wasn't even, what's funny is it wasn't even really pet sounds that much. It was a lot oh. of their, it's a lot of their like surf stuff, like more of their, they're more, I guess you would say fun music. Sure. That I remember, I mean, we had hardwood floors growing up and 
we, my dad would blast the beach boys and we would put on our socks and just run up and down the floors and slide all over. That's such a great memory too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense to me that you graduated college with a degree in like history or politics. Uh, so you recently participated in Girlzilla, uh, but you've also, I think, incorporated a very progressive message into your stage banter and, and into your music. So talk about the importance of having that opinion as to who you are as a human and how that affects and how that influences the music and, and the message that you want to send. Yeah, that's, it's hard to overstate how important stuff like that is to me. And, you know, I'm definitely not the perfect activist. It's something I'm always learning about and trying to get better with. But um, Girlzilla is actually my baby. So I have been directing and curating Girlzilla since 2016. and that is largely because of Rebecca Emont, who used to be uh, used to live in New Jersey. She's a musician herself, and she actually approached me about the first Girlzilla, and she asked me if I wanted to help with it. And it wasn't called Girlzilla yet; it didn't have a name. It was brand okay. new. Um, but she asked me if I wanted to do this kind of women's benefit with her, not knowing her at all. But I was in a place in my life where I was saying yes to absolutely everything. Sure. We linked up and and she actually taught me a lot about how important it is to be a feminist and, and what it means to be a feminist in your life and, and carry out those kinds of values. Um, and for me, feminism extends to any social issue that affects any woman at all. So that has to do with racism and the way that black women are treated by the medical system that has to do with uh, native rights um, that has to do with climate justice, um, LGBTQ issues, anything that affects anyone really at all, but specifically anyone who is not a cisgendered heterosexual male. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just, I try to take a very, holistic and and big picture approach to all of it and um you know with as much progress as society has seemingly made in the last like let's say 10 to 20 years with all these things we can still see so much so many areas where progress still really needs to be made and well it seems like we make progress and move backwards at the same time i mean this must have been a very anxious few months leading up to the elections as to worrying about how it was going to turn out and and what this country might look like moving forward yeah absolutely i mean i'm i'm bisexual so i'm a member of the lgbtq community um but i do have the the privilege and the visibility of i mean i was supposed to be married in may to a man so i have the privilege of presenting in a heterosexual relationship um, but I've had friends who I was worried and still am to some extent about their right to get married, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's just, if you're, for me, it's just like being a human being who is compassionate and empathetic and looking around the world. And all you have to do is listen to the people who are experiencing these different forms of oppression 
And for me, it's impossible not to be touched by these situations and not to be moved by them. And so for me, you know, I don't have the biggest following in the world. I'm certainly, (laughs) I'm certainly not famous. Well, you're, but but you're working on it. I am working on it. And, and regardless, regardless of the scope, I personally feel a responsibility when I am on stage or when I am posting on the internet or connecting with others in whatever way it may be. I feel a responsibility to represent values that I want to see in the world and to encourage others to, to live by those values. So how is Girlzilla a manifest, uh, there's a word in there, a manifestation of that? What are the other acts or what are the other people involved talking about? So Girlzilla is something that I just want it to be a huge umbrella and I want it to cast a giant net. So, you know, we've touched on issues with um, domestic violence where we collected supplies for a nonprofit called Distributing Dignity. And, and they, they work with shelters in New Jersey and, and give, give supplies to women's shelters. Um, we've worked with Garden State Equality, that's an LGBTQ uh, nonprofit based in Asbury Park. They do amazing advocacy all over the state. Um, we had a spring series planned for uh, this past spring, which obviously didn't happen, but we were linked up with um, the Crime Victim Center of Chester County, which is in Pennsylvania. And they obviously do a lot of work with victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Um, We were linked up with, um, the name escapes me and I feel like such a jerk, but there is a nonprofit in New Brunswick that was raising money and supplies uh, for veterans. Uh, And that obviously there are a lot of male veterans, but there are women veterans too, and it affects the families of veterans. So we were linked up with them. And the nonprofit that we were linked up with in New York um, was actually connected with a group in Colombia who was doing a lot of uh, work on the ground with uh, pushing back against um, kind of like imperialist, capitalist, corporate interests who were exploiting the land and the people of Colombia. So again, all these issues in yeah, different you're, you're, ways. You're taking on some pretty lightweight issues there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's just I'm only one person, but if I can do something that makes the world a better place for someone else, or if I can empower a group that's doing the work or give something to a group that is doing the work on the ground, I think that I have a responsibility to humanity in general and to myself and my existence here to do that so girlzilla was virtual this year yes in previous years and i guess in moving forward when it's safer to go out is this something that you would do as a public performance yeah absolutely and the past ones uh the first one was in flemington at flemington diy they were great they they donated the space for the night and that was incredible i mean we did that Kate Dressed Up was, like, not even six months old at the time. We had no budget at all. We pulled it together. Uh, That was beautiful. And then the second one, which was two years later, was in Asbury Park with the help of the Asbury Park Music Foundation Mm -hmm. and Jim over there. And, And we absolutely packed that place out all day long, which was really cool. And then in the future, you know, I hope to continue to gather people and, and create this community. 
So if I was to ask if if the world was safer and we were able to get you a, a large venue and you had the pick of whomever you wanted, who would be the bands that you think you would want to perform for Girlzilla? And they could be as large or small as you like, but based on the idea that they they represent much of what you believe to be the ethos behind Girlzilla. Who, you, who are you bringing on stage? Wow, the list goes on so long, and I actually have a spreadsheet of just... Your Girls, dream bands? Girlzilla hopefuls. I really yeah. do. Um, but, like, some of the much bigger names uh, that I would love to have would be, like, Laura Marling or the Staves, who are... They're British artists, and I love them. Um... Marika Hackman, she's British also. Uh, Margaret Glassby is from New York. She does, like, she's amazing. And then some of the more up-and-coming artists, um, there's an artist from Philadelphia called More Mother who does some crazy electronic, free jazz, kind of noisy, but also beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've I've been a fan of the Vaughns since I met them. Oh, I absolutely love the Vaughns. Yeah, I've been for I'm I've been a fan of them since we met. You know, four or five years ago, whatever it is sure. now. Um, How Fox, about uh, would we get screaming females to play along? You know, so here's the thing, my my taste in music doesn't that, really that maybe be a little heavy for what you're looking. Well, here's the thing is. My, my personal taste doesn't necessarily bring them onto my radar that often, but as a curator and director of Girlzilla, they have obviously caught my attention. I, sure. I, I super admire them as a group and as an artist, even if Absolutely. I'm not playing their records all the time. Sure. They're incredible. Uh, there's a group in, in uh, Philadelphia called Secret Nudist Friends. What a great name for a band. They are, they are catchy, they are surfy, they are guitar riffs all day. I sure. love them. Sure. So they're a group that I would love to have on. I'd imagine uh, you must have met uh, Rachel Anna Dopkin when you played through the Danny Kilinch Gallery. Yes, She yes. produces music in, I would imagine, in that you know wide ballpark anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, Rachel is another one I admire. I actually, she's she's a list on my Girlzilla hopefuls in the future. You know. So, so when I win the lottery next year, we can rent out the uh, the uh, the Paramount, and we'll put together a good show. I'm ready. I'll I'll fund it. You can curate the whole thing, and I don't want it's completely your input. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. Sounds good to me. <laughs> So before, uh, you know, I guess last spring when everything was going well, what what were you planning on doing that got canceled because of the way people don't know how to put masks on? Oh, well, personally, the biggest one is getting married, which I still haven't done. Um, thankfully, we are still very happy together. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've muddled through, you know. Yeah, if you have um, to. But uh, musically... You know, I was just about wrapping up my first full-length album. Um, I had single release dates planned. I had shows booked, confirmed, ready to roll for that. Was this like a a whole tour or just something local? Oh, yeah. I had a month-long national tour, actually. Have you had that, uh, that opportunity to tour in the van and drive around the country yet? I've toured a few times, um, 
this was going to be the most extensive tour. It was also going to be my first time touring with my current lineup, Mm -hmm. who who I'm so, again, I really can't say enough how lucky I am that they're just down for whatever with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we had a a tour plan. We were going to go down the East Coast, south across texas and then we were going to go up to to denver colorado and kind of make our way back across through through chicago let me ask you know when you stay along the east coast for the most part i think it seems okay but then as you as you move away from the larger cities are you nervous about the reception your message is going to get as you drive through rural texas (laughs) Um, I don't know about rural Texas, but I do have a story about Lynchburg, Virginia. Let's let's hear a story about Lynch. I, I mean, I it's, could imagine just by the name where this story oh is going to go. But. So it's it's not too much of like a story exactly, but we played in a record store, which I later found out was owned by like Christian metal fans. Excellent. Right. <laughs> and so it's this tour happened to be myself and my cousin christopher who's my drummer at the time mm-hmm. there's just it's just the two of us and um i planned an alanis morissette cover as i am wont to do okay and when i introduced the song i made a joke about listening to alanis morissette on acid and there's like 40 people in the room or something and you could just feel everyone's butthole tighten <laughs> Except for these two kids who actually laughed, and then we ended up staying at their house, so it was cool. Uh, well, well, first off, it's not like Alanis Morissette really breeds the concept of let's get really high and listen to Jagged Little Pill. But uh, so there, there may be just the shock of that. But <laughs> I, I would worry that the message that you're bringing <sighs> is not necessarily welcome in certain parts. Unfortunately certain parts of uh, the country. And and I think we're starting, I think the last four years has really shown the huge difference in attitudes when you leave the larger city areas. Yep. And, uh, you know, when in those kinds of situations, and I thought about that for this tour that we had planned. Yeah. Um, and I think in those situations, I think, I think it comes for, so for me, like, for me, it's not about necessarily changing the message, but changing the presentation of the message. And for me, I always want to lead with positivity and love and acceptance. Sure. And those are kind of difficult I values to, to argue with outright. Well, yeah, but sometimes I think that if Woody Guthrie was alive today and he was standing outside with his guitar that says, this, this machine kills fascists, that he might get his head kicked in, depending on where he's standing. That is absolutely true, and I definitely agree with that there. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things uh, that I've been asking the different people that we've met certainly is, um, you know, as the spring rolls around and hopefully things get better, uh, you have a tour plan. But what else are you looking to do over the next few years as the world opens up again? You know, my answer now is so different than what it would have been if you had asked me eight or nine months ago. Um, so, so nine months ago, you would have said, we're finishing up our album, we're hopping in the van. we're And we're going to go. We're going to conquer the country. What's different about your answer now? 
Um, well, now I really wonder about the viability of being a musician and a performer as a career, um, mm-hmm. as a, a way to put food on the table. And, you know, that has kind of caused me to reevaluate my trajectory and kind of adjust it slightly. So I actually, right now, um, I'm going to my local county college and I've started a track to study electrical engineering, which okay. is very closely related to audio engineering. Absolutely. Um, which is something I've been doing for the last few years. I've been doing live sound engineering in Philly. And um, so that's something that is kind of like a, a prong that I've added to the path. And sure. I, I would love for the prongs of music and electrical engineering to meet in the future. Um, well, I, I'd have I, to suggest, I mean, I don't know much about electrical engineering, but I would think that you're probably one of maybe 2% of the women who study electrical engineering. Uh, do you find that to be an impediment or do you just enjoy the challenge of proving them to, to men that women could be just as good at any aspect of mathematics as they can? Uh, you know, it's kind of really the second, um, because those are really the only two choices. If you're a woman in a male dominated field, you can either be intimidated by that fact, or you can go in with your middle fingers up saying, I'm here, let's do this. Sure. And I kind of gravitate toward the latter, not in like an aggressive way. I don't even know how to. No, I, I don't I know, know how to approach mean. that. But I, I, I do. Think you just prove that you're not intimidated. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm taking a class, uh, just circuits, basic stuff, and I'm the only woman in the room. Yeah. You know, and my approach to those kinds of situations is to just, I don't really. You know, there's nothing to really say about it other than to just show it show, what it show everyone what's up. And, you know, I, I get the grades and my my contributions to the class demonstrate that I'm an intelligent person. And sure, I, I in that class, I think, you know, everyone in the class respects my presence there. I don't feel weird about it. Good. And good. honestly, like having been in the music industry for the past few years. Which probably isn't easy to be a woman fronting a band anyway, because drunk men are obnoxious on any level. <laughs> yeah, I was on tour once with uh, with Elaine Rasnick, and um, we, we were sharing a band at the time. So mm-hmm. she was playing my band, I was playing in her band, and after her set, a guy immediately, as soon as it was over, walked right up to the stage and starts telling her about how to set her pedals. Yeah. (laughs) And she was, I mean, Elaine is the kindest, nicest person in the whole world. And she was handling it in a, in a kind way, like firmly, but kindly. Sure. And I could not help myself, but to tell the guy to take a hike because I was mansplaining that the fuzz box goes before the reverb (laughs) oh i was seething it made me so mad and even you know uh that's on the performer side but i'm also uh one third of a a company called lost compass and lost compass does talent buying event production sound gigs like all the all the kind of business end of the music industry and events and 
I don't think I've done a sound gig where someone hasn't brought up the fact that I'm a woman ever. And I also have had situations where I have been negotiating with an agent and they have treated me in a way that they were not treating my partners. Sure, sure. Because of the signature at the bottom of the email. Yeah. And I've also booked shows for Kate Dressed Up on that national tour where I didn't get an email from my email, but I logged into my fiance's email and would just send out all my own emails with his name at the bottom. Sure. Get, get lots well, of responses. You have to, you have to, but I'd imagine these last few months for an organization that's booking and doing things, it, it, how are you keeping that organization afloat with the lack of live performance? You, you know, so first of all, we always put, um, our, our ethics first and our ethics right now say that we should not be gathering people. Sure. You know, um, so we have as a company decided to just slow it down and take the opportunities as they come. Sure. Um, we've been offered to help promote some gatherings that we've actually turned down because it doesn't reflect our, our, what, what we want our ethics to be well, seen sure, because you, you might feel responsible if something goes bad as a super spreader event. Right. God forbid. But we have had some really cool opportunities um, to, to just make things happen. One of which was an event called the strange soiree, uh-huh. which, um, which was a Halloween event, a virtual event where a band that we manage and book called solar circuit, uh, played two sets and they do like Jamtronica stuff. So it's a four piece band, but they, for the most part, make dance music. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And we helped them put that together. I did sound for it. We helped them promote, they hired a, a light designer and we had like the full multicam setup. So we all shipped out to a barn in Quakertown PA and set mm-hmm. up in, in this huge, beautiful barn and and broadcast that out and that was that almost felt normal that was a lot of fun it's like a little taste of normal but yeah i was also thinking with your 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 electronics degree will you be designing a set of kate dressed up boutique guitar pedals yeah i mean i took apart <laughs> i took apart my ernie ball volume pedal yeah you're, was... you're gonna start modding things soon aren't you oh god i really am um so right now most of my knowledge is is limited to the theoretical on paper mm-hmm. um but i think if not by the end of this semester then maybe next i'll be able to start messing with some things and and ryan over at agl has welcomed me to come kind of look over their shoulders while they tinker and sure. that that's something i definitely hope to hope to be doing yeah or even you know fixing old tube amps there's there's probably quite a living yeah that that amp behind me over there i have yeah. to i have to replace the tubes in that suit oh no so. now is that is that a fender tweed of some kind behind you yeah it's a fender basement um it's i think it was released in like the early 90s but it's a replica of mm-hmm. an amp from like the late 50s or early 60s sure. no i love the fender basement it's a great sound it's beautiful yeah so if you could have lunch with any musician who has ever lived who would you like to uh, enjoy a uh, a latte and sandwich with? It's literally gotta be Celine Dion. Oh yeah. Time. It's either her or Freddie Mercury. Okay. It's uh, one or the other. 
Now, with Freddie Mercury, is is that because of his vocal prowess? I am just like what what would you ask them when you sat down with them, or what do you want to know from them? There is well, okay, so let me just say I saw Celine Dion uh, in May of 2019 in Las Vegas with my mother. At, at, that's her Las Vegas show. That the she Las had. Vegas show, yeah. yeah, and that was is the second favorite day of my whole life. With the first one being the day I got proposed to. Okay. Um. With with the two of them, there is there is an energy in their not only in their performance but in their entire existence that is just larger than life it and, is she, and, and i'd imagine she brings that every single night twice on sunday right oh my as soon as she walked out on stage i started crying yeah i mean i i cannot overstate how much i love her but with performers like that and i mean there are lots of other performers that fall into this category but for me it's it's them and just it really just just comes down to the presence Sure. Well, if you, if you, and I'm sure you've seen it, uh, the Live Aid concert where Freddie Mercury comes out, uh, and he's, I think he's, I think he's in the Philadelphia Stadium at the time. So there's literally, you know, seventy thousand people hanging on every single word he says, and you don't, you know, you see that sometimes with, um, with Bono from U2, although it's different energy level, um, and and. And I mean this only as the greatest compliment. I find your singing style does sound a little bit like Bono of the 90s. I think you have a little U2 in there. Thank and you. I offer that as a compliment because I think they're really one of the one of my top 10 island bands to bring albums to. Uh, but watching the crowd for the Freddie Mercury, I mean, the person in the last seat in the farthest row is like a mile and a half away. And that person thinks that Freddie Mercury is singing directly and only to them. And that's what a performer is supposed to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I would just love to talk to them about, you know, what it feels like to, to command such large crowds. And then obviously I would talk to them about their singing too, because it's, it's just next level. And, and, you know, every, I mean, maybe not every singer, but for me from a young age, Celine Dion and Freddie Mercury have always been like the vocal aspirations. Not sure. that I, I'm, I, you know, I will likely not ever be able to exactly replicate the way they sing, but sure. they, I just so admire them. Sure. I don't think she has a movie about her life yet, but did, did you like the movie about Freddie Mercury that came out a couple of years ago? You know, I'm just not really a movie person. Oh, no. You didn't see the Freddie Mercury movie? I didn't. I keep my head down most of the time. <laughs> I work really hard all the time, and I don't make time for movies or anything uh, fun other we, than we need to. We need to send you a DVD of that so you can goof off for a little bit. You I people working to. all the time make us lazy people feel even lazier. Yeah, I did. After I saw Celine Dion, I, there's a... She made an album when she recorded the the album that the Titanic single is on. It's called sure. Let's Talk Let's Talk About Love. And they actually did document almost all of the recording of that album. Okay. Okay. And so I, I have it's on YouTube in like parts. Sure. And I have watched that 
many, many, many times. There's a duet with Barbara Streisand on it. Uh, there's a song with the Bee Gees on it. There's a song with Pavarotti on it. I the mean, Bee- did you say the Bee Gees? I did just say the. I'm going. I'm going to have to look that one up. I couldn't imagine what that sounds like. The Bee Gees wrote and produced this song for Celine Dion and worked mm-hmm. with her in the studio on it. And what's so interesting to me that I have noticed after paying very close attention over and over and over is regardless of who she is singing with, she sings like them. So on the song with the Bee Gees, she actually sings like that, 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 uh, like that stereotypical Bee Gees voice. Sure. So and she's able, she's able to morph her tool into what the song is asking her to do. She is as good of a singer as anyone could literally ever hope to be in all of human history. Yes. Now, are there singers from like the 20s and 30s? I'm thinking like Edith Piaf or some of the other famous singers. Are, are there singers from before our date and time that, that you enjoy? I love, love, love Etta James. Okay. I love Etta James. I also love Billie Holiday. I think her, her tone is just unique and beautiful. And it's so raw. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's raw and it's rich and it's throaty and creamy. And yeah, she is just really, really special sure. as well. We should invite her to, go- to Girlzilla and see if she <laughs> come out. Uh, so, so lastly, I guess one of the things, and then we can certainly wrap up. We've been spending the better part of an hour with Kate from uh, Kate Dressed Up, who's been nice enough to spend some time with me today. Um, if you were able to bump in yourself into yourself on the day you graduated high school with what you know now, what advice would you give your 17 and a half year old self? Write, record, and shove it in everyone's face every day. Absolutely. Because that's what you have to do. And I just didn't know that then, you know? So the, so the part of being a performer is the non-performer part. Because being a performer, I mean, there's, there's rehearsing and then there's the 45 minutes on stage. But then there's the, also the 10 hours of putting things in envelopes and emailing and calling. And, you know, that's never part of the dream, is it? <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as you start and you read all the blogs and all your friends give you all the advice and all the advice is send a bajillion emails and get rejected by 99% of them. Sure. Like, I just... I don't like wish that I had known different things because obviously one thing leads to another and I'm very happy with my life now. Sure. But for sure would have, I would have, I would have been bolder about sharing my music sooner. Do you think when you listen to the music that you made say 15 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, is that something that you can bring to the stage and make it sound like who you are now? Yeah. I mean, some of it, um, I recorded a three song EP under just my name, Katie Miller, uh, when I was like 18 and I still am really, really proud of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, stuff from high school. That's just, I listen to it. And I'm like, wow, this is like clearly the first song I ever wrote, you know? Sure. So well, there's some cringeworthy stuff in the past that you just keep in that little envelope and take out when, when you just want to reminisce. Yeah. We all have that. Sure. 
Well, Katie Miller, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time. We'll certainly connect all of our links. And uh, I'm really looking forward to when you're performing with your band, because I don't think I've taken a decent picture in nine months now. So it feels like I haven't gotten out to do what I want to do. But thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we're looking forward to a bright engineering musical future for you. Thank you so much, Doug, for having me. I'm buying. I want. I want one of your first pedals. All right. I want. I want a good distortion pedal that you design. Send me your address. <laughs> I'll send it right to you. All right, take care. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much.